Welcome to Sassholes, the podcast, the show where me, Jamie Kearney, and Pete Jansons talk about that. Yeah, talk about everything and anything we have experienced in our combined 60 years in the cloud software environment. That's From finance, to, to sales, product, it. to data analytics, to sales, which we've covered a lot in sales. A lot of mistakes. Yeah, a lot of mistakes. Today will be a little bit different. Today's topic is a high-level discussion on mergers and acquisitions. From the theory behind the why it's done to an overview of what the acquiring company looks at at the time of purchase to an aftermath uh, after the acquisition. We'll try to discuss some tactical stuff as well as what you should do if your company has been acquired. Um, We're going to keep this high level as much as possible. You know, we try to stay within 30 minutes. Um, So this... So pardon if we're glossing over certain things. If you ever want to dive deeper into any of these topics and any of the previous shows, you can always just reach out to Pete or I via LinkedIn. Before we get started, remember, subscribe to our channel today. Like us. Give us some love out there. Like, 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 like. Go visit sassholes.net and tell us if you want to be on the show or if you have any topics that you may or may not want to cover. Um. One of the segments we do every single week is leader you should know. So, Pete, you usually handle the leader you should know. Go ahead. Give us the leader you should know. Oh, we got to blow the dust off of this guy. None other than CEO, founder of Pop Menu, Brendan Sweeney. Old, old school. Back to headhunter.net days. Yeah, weren't you hired around the same time as he? Oh, he was there before me, but uh, I remember uh, sitting across the uh, folding table that was the uh, the main boardroom and uh, talking about our futures together. A uh, fellow bass player, too. He had a band back in the day nobody knows about. Uh, yeah, I've, rock, I've heard rock him and play a lot of guitar. Yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. He's okay. Brendan, if you if you know him, he's a pretty funny guy. So I thought we should lighten the mood uh, with a really bad joke from Pete. Pete, you have a joke of the day. I don't think it's that bad, but anyways, why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Why? Because he had nobody to go with. Oh god, that was stolen. Uh, they are, they've all been stolen, haven't they? You haven't made any of them up. Thanks, Felton. Google has been your favorite uh, friend. For dad jokes. <laughs> All right. Um, rep of the day is another segment we like to get into. So, Pete, you have a rep lined up. Give oh, yeah. Time. Sarah Jaworski, congrats. Just got on board Salesforce. Uh, old old school rep. Always put the numbers up on the board. Uh, congrats there, Jaworski. You're selling something that everyone needs and uses. If you've listened to our previous podcast, if you're not using a CRM tool, uh, I don't know. I You're don't a tool. Really, I really don't consider you sales. And uh, if you're using anything but Salesforce, I find it hard to believe. You're a tool. <laughs> All right. Before we get into um, our segment, I think we need to crank through our uh, our sponsor, our wonderful sponsor, great people over there at NeuroNoodle. NeuroNoodle, get a doodle of your noodle today at NeuroNoodle. If you suffer from ADHD, anxiety, if you want to go get concussion protocol where you go get a uh, mapping before you play sports, if we're ever allowed to play sports again in high school. So if you Where am I? Who are you? 
So if you ever suffer a concussion, you can go back and reference this map and really understand uh, if you have or have not had a concussion. Um, also, you know, with the COVID stuff, mental health, health issues, it's a huge priority today. So I think neurofeedback and you're using neuronoodle is a great concept to help combat depression, anxiety, panic attacks, et cetera. Um, and errors like today, mental health has to be a priority. Try neurofeedback by visiting neuronoodle.com. Okay, Love so now but the next segment we like to get into is news of the week. And I, I apologize this week. We were delayed because of the Labor Day. We usually do this podcast over the weekend. Hey, um, let's, here, we'll, we'll gloss over it here, yeah. Carney. Mm-hmm. Check this out. More than half of young adults in the U.S. live with a parent. Go figure. Non-farm payrolls increased by 1.3 million. Unemployment dropped to 8.4% from 10.2%. Not too bad. New filings for job claims last week was 881,000. You know, one thing to note on that 8% peak is if it drops three more percent, the U.S. would be considered at full employment. At full employment. 5% unemployment is a healthy unemployment. Below 5% is unhealthy, meaning that we, um, we just don't have enough people uh, to fulfill the jobs that are out there because you usually always want to have a healthy amount of churn, people finding new work and reskilling. Right. Well, some people just don't want to do, do the jobs that are out there, right? Agreed. But if you're not looking for a job, you're not considered unemployed. Yeah. So just FYI. And then uh, today, the numbers came out, 884,000, or yesterday, 884,000 versus 850. Still a lot of people getting getting out of work, but uh, close to forecast. Um, let's see. Amazon said it's cre- creating 10,000 more jobs in Bellevue. Go go figure. That's next to their, uh, next to their Seattle headquarters. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, that means they're going to be doing something probably in Virginia and their other headquarters that you're building out. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've driven up. I know uh, it's been in the news lately, Kenosha, but you know, oh. the Chicagoland area. If you're ever driving up through Milwaukee, which I'm a Marquette alum, woo woo, and a Notre Dame alum, yeah, yeah, football's coming back next week. Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, if you're ever driving through that factory, that Amazon warehouse factory is so huge. It's amazing. We advise you don't stop the car. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't stand. Kenosha. Rolling stops. That's a stop sign. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's all I got. destroyed in Kenosha. I, I haven't looked. I haven't been up there. Where all the outlets, Kenosha outlets, were they destroyed? Or was it just downtown Kenosha, which I don't think I've ever been? No, they wouldn't mess with those outlets. Yeah, don't mess with those. Okay, so that's it with the news. So now on to our segment. Um, Once again, our segment is about acquisitions and mergers. Um, I've been involved in uh, acquisitions and looking at acquisitions. I've also, uh, you know, Pete and I have experienced acquiring companies um, and integrating them into our company, uh, into the companies we've worked for in the past, as well as being acquired by a PE firm and how that, um, that, that might change um, your 
perspective on what's going to happen at that company. But I thought I would start off with there are three primary reasons why a company acquires another company. Um, the company that is considered considered being acquired, um, w- this is reason number one, the company that's considered being acquired has a similar offering. So you can expand your customer base. So let's say you're selling Spacely Sprockets, uh, uh, a reference to uh, the Jetsons, and, do, 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 do. Um, and, they're, and you're acquiring their main competitor, wasn't it the Coswell Cogs? Um, I think so, Carney. I think so. That's off my memory, by the way. Uh, I did not prepare for that analogy. But if you're acquiring those, that's usually an expansion of what you've already done. So you're acquiring your main competitor there. Um, A lot of times those acquisitions get delayed because of antitrust laws. Um, So you might announce the acquisition, but it might not take effect for... 60, 90 days while the governing bodies look at it and make sure you're not creating a monopoly. Those are the easy ones to understand. You're just acquiring more clients. Um, Mainly what's looked at there is how much of an overlap do you have with redundancy redundancy with other clients, right? Um, If you're in those roles, Pete, uh, if you're in that type of acquisition, uh, and, and by the way, in most acquisitions, administrative type of work, people that are there to support either the technology or the sales, you guys are always at threat of maybe not sticking around. But in those acquisitions, I would imagine a lot of salespeople are going to get impacted in a, in a, in a negative way from the uh, acquisition if you're being acquired. Would you agree no, with that, Pete? No, absolutely. I always wonder what goes on behind the scenes with, with you guys because you are always on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, me being on the not sales always, side. not always. I had I had run a sales team. You would come down and coach that sales team at times. Yeah, but still on on the merger side, like you know, hey, why why are my expense? Why can't I expense anything anymore? Why you know mm-hmm. what, what? Why can't I why can't I backfill people right? All those little hidden things that keep popping up when something's go, you know, going on. Yeah, up. usually, so there's only a handful of people that typically know within the companies of who's getting acquired. If it's a good time and all of a sudden, and you guys are growing and there's a hiring freeze, um, I would imagine whoop, somebody's whoop, kicking the tires whoop, whoop. at acquiring you. So if it comes down and, or, or if they're, if a lot of times what might happen is they might take your, open up your requisition, but really not work that requisition, the recruiters and really delay everything. That might be an alarm as well. What about uh, all of a sudden people just want reports upon reports upon reports. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another one. And and that really impacts the, finance and accounting team if somebody's going back if you if everything's going fine you feel like everything's going fine and all of a sudden you're constantly being asked for three to five years worth of data historical data that's usually an indication of either a leadership chamber or or, or an acquisition yeah so the alarm that is that monkey sound that Pete is making is his impersonation of an alarm, just FYI for our listeners at home. It's so, a very good one. <laughs> so for um, 
So the easiest one to get your hand around is they're acquiring you because they can expand their offering to your clients, um, and it's a similar offering, so a competitor acquisition. Uh, another reason, another primary, and these are primary reasons. There are other reasons for acquisitions, but I'm going to go through the three that I think are most out there. Is the company that's considered to be acquired? So I'm I'm, I'm spacely sprockets, and I'm now going to create. I'm going to buy something that might be a different widget or a technology that could be bolted onto my offering. Um, this is typically then, you know, when this occurs, and, and we were at a company that did a lot of this bolting on, um, you have two choices. You either bolt it on and you sell it as one offering or under one brand, or you sell it as multiple brands, meaning I'm, uh, Spaces Brackets is now buying um, uh, uh, Wasniewski widgets, right? Completely separate offering. Um, Indeed, they might Glassdoor. Keep- yeah, they might keep it as Wanuski because uh, I think a lot of times when they're doing that is, um, and my, my belief, the reason why they're doing that is because eventually they're going to want to sell off that brand to maybe another competitor. The thought process behind that is if I bring in another brand and I offer that brand to all of my customers and they sell it, now I can show that brand um, to other uh, companies out there and sell it for maybe 2x of what I bought it at because I've immediately uh, increased the client base that's out there. Um, and a lot of times the reason why they keep them as separate brands is one plus one does, you know, doesn't equal two. If you sell them as separate brands, one plus one might equal three. Um, so those are the, the whole reason why they keep it as separate brands is so they have flexibility and possibly selling it off um, after they juice it with their customer base. What's your thoughts on that, Pete? Any, any yeah, I think uh, you should always know where your company is in the business life cycle. Yeah. Um, are you are you a st- startup? Are you a cash cow? Are you dying? I mean, you got to know. Because remember, the people that are getting value out of this podcast isn't necessarily. I don't. I don't expect any CEOs to come on here and no. get anything earth shattering. It's the new leaders that we're that that I'm trying to help out. You know that are, you know, in the business world. You know, trying to get information. So if you see this stuff happening, if you're in a cash cow to a failing business, watch out for private equity coming in. Yeah. What happens when private equity comes in, Carney? Well, we'll get into that, but that that's a okay. whole yeah, that's that's a leadership change. Um and, and I'll get into that. Let's park that for a second. But yes, if you it's hard to know where you fit in the cycle at a at a particular point in time, but you can always look at historics. If you haven't grown much in the last 3 to 4 quarters, what's much? There, well, uh more than uh 2 to 3% I mean, you, you, you want to be talking double-digit growth. Right. Granted, um, if you're not growing because of... Well, look at your competitors, right? How yeah. fast are they growing? Yes. 
Agreed. You always want to compare yourself to your competitors, uh, not always by percentage, because a small startup, a lot of small numbers. You know, they might have small numbers and talk about how they're growing by five hundred percent, but they had five dollars and now they have twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always got to look at competitive uh, information in that regards. But on top of that, um, you also got to take into account economic hardship, right? Which is what we need to uh, think about today. If a company is a, if a company is growing or maybe even declining by only 5% or, or increasing by 2% right now in this, in this economy, that might be seen as a huge growth because once our economy starts churning again, which who knows when that is, November 5th is what I'm suspecting, yeah. um, or November 4th, but I think 4th will be used to protest the results and 5th is when we'll announce the, re- the official results. But anyways, I'll park right. that as well. But once the economy starts going, um, that's when you, you you would expect a company that grew by 2% should potentially grow by, you know, 10 to 15%, depending on their sales cycle. Um, so if you're not growing, if your business isn't growing or keeping up, whoop, whoop, yep, whoop. There's another alarm. Um, and on top of that, so if you're acquiring a company, you can either do it two different ways when you acquire that company that's a different technology. Either you keep it as a separate brand, and I honestly, I have a hard time with this concept because then you're talking to people within your company and they are talking as if they're a different company when they're not. Um, and a lot of times when you're set as a separate brand, you don't, you haven't integrated those businesses fully so the uh, the rules of engagement internally, it just becomes a a political mess because the CEO and the C level oh, yeah. they want to they want to operate as if you're uh, one whole company and look at everything and say, you know, we should be selling this business for this. While a lot of times those separate entities, they still have their their leadership intact. Those separate companies have earn, contractual earnouts. So um, they're not concerned as much about the company as a whole as they're concerned to make sure that they hit certain numbers two to three years out after acquisition. And so therefore they're, they're thinking about how can they gobble up as much pie in a customer as opposed to how do we offer the customer what they want um, and make sure it's fairly priced across the board. So I always think it's very dicey when you operate as a separate entity and you have the same sales force trying to sell both entities. One, a client, I think, gets confused when you say, let me tell you about this brand and this brand and this brand and the different offerings, and here's your full solution. But now we got to put it on three different contract papers. Yeah, and you got and you got two different reps offering two different prices trying to undercut one another. Exactly. So it just becomes it, – it happens. And the whole reason why it happens is because two plus two might equal three. Yep. Right. If you combine the brands, um, there's a huge focus on cost synergies, which is what I'll get into when we talk about PE firms as well. Uh, and integration within uh, um, those businesses. So you're going to want to integrate those businesses so that your sales reps can sell this as a bolt on. Um, and therefore, they're not talking about here's this offering and here's this offering. And here's how we combine it together and give you two different contracts. Instead, here's your solution and here's how we sell it. Cost synergies is a big part when you're integrating that. And, and, and PE firms look for this a lot. Um, before we get into the cost synergies, though, 
there is a third reason why acquiring companies by certain other companies, and that's for the technology. This happens a lot in, you know, very hot companies like, you know, Facebook when they first started up were buying, buying companies because they wanted the people that worked on that technology. Uh, do you include, do you, really low. do you include patents in that? Patents as well. Yes. Patents would be in that as well. So it's technology. They want that technology. They might want just the people. In the end, acquiring companies that are typically cash rich, cash cows with fundamentally solid financials uh, that are either gra- are growing rapidly through organic growth or through acquisitions. Those are the companies that are out there acquiring. Um, if you're a P back cash rich company, uh, they're, typically an acquisition mode from the onset because a PE firm that invests in your company and buys your company usually has a three year. The typical thing is three years. They want to change their uh, acquisition position. Maybe not sell it completely, but maybe sell off portions of it. Well, in about want, three years. They want to, don't, don't, don't they want to leverage you to the hilt? To finance the yeah so they they do in certain cases if they if they buy a company that they think they can uh, that there's two different ways they buy it either a turnaround um, that they look at it and said this company uh, you know is in distress and we're a turnaround PE firm we can get in there you know lay off half the force get them uh, focused on what they should be focused on maybe remove a bunch of the distractions hopefully turn it around. If they turn it around, great. They can sell it for a premium. If not, you know, file for bankruptcy, which is probably where they were headed for before the PE firm bought them. Uh, there are rules though around that, you know, before they used to be able to do that and lever everything or, yeah. you know, use PE firms cannot do a hundred percent leverage uh, acquisition. There are What, rules per, what percentage that. do you think, I'm not going to hold you to it, but how many of them do you think are actually turnarounds? It all depends actually on the PE firm. Certain PE firms are purely focused on turnaround. Uh, I believe Apollo's big focus, which is the largest PE firm out there, um, is turnaround. Um, uh, a GTCR, I believe, is turnaround. And you can always, if you know who's acquired you, you can always go and look typically at their acquisition strategy. I'm talking bigger ones, medium-sized ones. Bain turns around, but Bain's more of a strategic, I, I would say. Um, you know, that's the Mitt Romney. He started up that right. one. Uh, he, uh, or that, that company typically goes in there and says, this is the formula for success. So we're going to actually support companies that might be in a growth potential. Um, but give them more of a structure that we think works from a financial perspective that allows them to uh, opt out in three years. And they'll go in for distressed companies that they feel are just mismanaged and go in there and try to manage that company. Uh, I don't believe they manage for bankruptcy and for, uh, for skimming cash flows, but let's be honest, they're not going to turn that down. Right. Okay. So, Cost synergies. I, I said I've said that a couple times. Um, often, when a company is acquiring another, 
there is a financial review of that acquiring company and they identify divisions and roles that will no longer be needed in this new, you know, company format. The people that are typically on the chopping block, and it depends on the acquisition, but most administrative positions are usually removed. So, you know, if you're in facilities, marketing, accounting, even finance, the and, and the owners and actually the, the leadership level are usually gone. Owners are usually gone for uh, a couple reasons. One, they might get a big payout, you know, so this might be where they cash out. Um, so uh, that's what they've been waiting for. A lot of times these startups, the owners aren't, and the founders aren't making a lot of money. They're, they're hoping that eventually they get bought and that's where they make their money. So it's hard to um, get someone to play in the new world when they've made, you know, maybe millions of dollars on the acquisition. And then two, they may not agree to what's going on with their baby, their startup. So um, they, uh, they will typically, um, you know, look at this and, and you would probably want to work out or, or make sure the owners of the acquisition are gone. In terms of facilities, you know, depends on if they keep the facility where you have been purchased. I would think right now with the COVID era, that ain't going to happen much right, because everyone's right. working from home. Marketing, it all depends on, you know, how much that current marketing department does. And, and a lot of times all this stuff is being pitted against each other. Meaning if we purchased a company or if the company is purchasing another company and you don't have a solid marketing team, but that other company you've been admiring their marketing team, right. you might lay off your marketing team and keep that marketing team. Um, in terms of accounting, you know, when I'm talking about accounting, cash receivables, you know, that type of stuff, that'll typically be transitioned really quickly over to the new accounting team that's in the current system that uh, the company that acquired you uh, is playing in, you know, and their environment. And then finance, you know, those finance guys, those guys that are doing the forecasting and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are typically the guys on the front lines of the acquisition. So they're not going to put their names on the chopping list. <laughs> you know, I'm not right. going to sit there when I'm acquiring a company and say, I think this finance guy could do my job better than me. Um <laughs> So cost synergies, the other thing that's interesting on cost synergies is that when you acquire a company, you can tag certain people that they will be part of the cost synergy. And what that means is you remove them as if they never existed in the company before and after. Even if they're staying on, you will remove them. You'll actually, what I mean is remove them, you'll remove them out of the operating cost, which impacts EBITDA. If you don't know what EBITDA is, it's basically What, what is flow. EBITDA? It's basically the company's cash flow. Well, mm-hmm. accountants out there, let's not split hairs. But um, it's essentially the operating cash flow that your company can, uh, can uh, provide. And it's typically how you measure things. It's called earnings before income tax, depreciation, and amortization. Now, if you um, acquire a company that's out there, um, you may identify 20 people that may stay on for six months or a year, and they have no idea that they're going to be impacted negatively or removed or, or laid off. But you can, if you've identified them at that point, 
you can move them out of the operating costs and, and put them as the one-time or the uh, uh, layoff expenditures, restructuring expenditures. And, and therefore, they're removed from the before and after. So when you're looking at what we call a pro forma, you can see what's going to happen after you acquire this company from the legacy to the now new formatted company. Um, if you didn't do that, Pete, and let's say you removed a million dollars from yeah. the uh, acquisition and you didn't remove those people prior to the acquisition, it would look like you're, you're doing uh, amazing work because you laid off these people and all of a sudden your EBITDA grows by a million dollars, you know? And so you want to remove, you have to remove them before and after so you can do a pro forma. And um, if a, and if a PE firm's taking you over, that's all they care about is EBITDA, right? Yeah. EBITDA is king. Cash is king. EBITDA typically relates to cash. I know there's receivables and payables and timing and payments, but EBITDA is king um, or cash EBITDA, which is what a lot of people look at now. Um, and 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 what happens is you you can get laid off within two years of the acquisition, and therefore at that point um, you can be removed completely from the uh, from the pro forma, right? So those are typically and so PE firms are going to go in there, and that's the first thing they look at is cost synergies. Uh, so the finance guys play a big role in this where they're looking at companies, the PE firms are finance guys typically, they're looking at companies and saying, if we remove this and we can support this, how can we reduce the uh, cost synergies and immediately, uh, when we bought this company, they were at a million EBITDA for a year and being sold at five times EBITDA or 11 times EBITDA, you know, we're in the software business, SaaS business, you're talking 11 to 15, maybe even 20 times EBITDA. We bought them for that. Well, if I can remove cost synergies, put them back on the market with a 2 million EBITDA, I've already doubled my price just at the same multiple. And then you want to work on the multiples. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the overarching thing for all of these acquisitions, why do they do this is multiples. How can we sell this or how can we get a valuation at a higher multiple? Right. Um, So it's all, it all comes down to how can you get rich? So, so Carney, for the, you know, front level guy, you know, the sales managers, the, maybe the sales directors, they, they get acquired and they, they're not the acquirer. Well, actually we can do both acquirer, acquiree. What do you think they should uh, be on the, uh, look out for? What should they be doing? Yeah. Like I said, if you're sales, right. One, no are we buying a competitor? Mm-hmm. If we're buying a competitor, um, then you really want to look at and say, well, you know, if I'm selling in Florida and my competitor has zero presence in Florida, whoop, whoop, then whoop. no, no, that's actually a good thing. So if I'm selling and I got acquired in Florida and my, 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 my competitor doesn't sell in Florida. I probably actually have a better chance of sticking on. But if uh, I'm selling uh, in Florida and my competitor has presence in Florida, there you, that's where you get the that's issue. where the alarm would yeah, go on. Yeah. If I'm if a, if a competitor is buying, so that's when your alarm signal could go off, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? And and so if you're in sales and sales uh, manager, that's sort of where it falls into. If you're a sales director that usually you know an rvp that usually means you have more than one region 
same sort of concept applies, I think. If I own these, you know, the Southwest region of, uh, of the United States, or if I own uh, EMEA region or Germany and things of that nature, does my competitor have any presence there? If they do, how much of a presence? Because I might be redundant. They might have an RVP that can take on my, my role. Um, so if you're an RVP or, or a director, that's what you need to think about for the sales guys. Well, the beautiful thing about sales is it's either you sold something or you didn't. It's very objective, right? Yeah. You know, if you're good, you're good. So I guess I would throw up my advice is don't Just stop. Yeah. Just do your thing, man. Yeah. Blinders on, do your thing. Because if you're a good salesperson, you will always be employed if you want to be employed. Control what you can control. So that That's would right. mean sell what you can sell, close what you can close now, and uh, make sure you have a huge pipeline. Because uh, if you sold everything in your pipeline, but you're not creating a new pipeline, mm-hmm. you're expendable from the acquirer's mind because they're going to look at your pipeline and say, well, they got nothing for me for the next six months to a year. Um, therefore, they might have been great. They were paid on your dime, but we're not paying for this person. Well, they're going to want to know a, a multiple of your pipeline, right? To show yeah. that you can bring in the quote or whatever yeah. it is. So Two and a half times to three times your, yeah. uh, uh, you know, your... So if you don't like putting stuff in Salesforce... You're in trouble. Whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop. Um, if you're in, like I said, if you're in finance or an administrative or technology or product, it's usually you're going to be pitted against the other company. If it's a new technology or bolt-on, you're usually in good shape or or decent shape. But if you're, um, the farther away you are from the front lines on an administrative standpoint, meaning the farther you're away from sales um, and you're in, you know, the AR, AP, you're more than likely going to be a casualty. I think this is a good point to talk about. What does a casualty mean? It just means you're going to get probably laid off. And the industry standard or the minimum, eh, you know, the minimum I would say in the industry standard is you get two weeks, you get all your vacation paid for. That's a that's accumulative. They can't take that away. You then typically get two weeks and a week for every year in service that's not legal there's gonna be there's gonna be some debate on that 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 is not legal um that i'm just saying that's the standard or the minimum threshold but they can just give you two weeks if they wanted to uh or they could say you know what we want to give this person even more um but i'm just saying that that if, if something happens and you've been there a year you should be thinking, I have three-week runway. And regardless, if you're doing everything right, when you're acquired, I don't care what, what position you're in, if you have a three-week window and you have bills to pay and stuff like that, um, you should, in my opinion, you should also be making getting your ducks in a row and making sure that, um, you know, while they're making the decision on you and they haven't necessarily laid you off, which a lot of layoffs might occur the day one of the acquisition. But if you're still there, you might want to get your ducks in a row and start 
putting some feelers out there in the marketplace to see what's out. Well, ducks in a row. I mean, going on LinkedIn and figuring out who's coming in, who are these people, get to know them. Yeah. Ducks in a row. I mean, for new leaders, I mean, don't do your own taxes, pay extra, get an accountant because there may be some equity involved. Yeah. Right. You don't want to make any mistakes. And also get yourself an employment lawyer to look over the agreement because even though you're a new person, you know, you you may want to get some counsel on, uh, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get right. Carney. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I think that's true. You get an employment lawyer. You might not even need to get an employment lawyer. You just want to have one on dial. Um, but yeah, if you don't ask for more, you're not going to get more. And if you ask for more, companies may give it to you because it might not be worth the fight for them. Because, so, I mean, you finance types, you're budgeting that. Here's how many people put up a fight. Here's how many that won't. This is the budget on the, the acquisition costs. Yes. So a lot of times uh, there's a certain amount of money like sort of parked for acquisition cost or cost synergies. And they want to stay within that budget or within that forecast. Um, you know, you asking for, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 more on your severance package may not impact this, you know, uh, millions and millions of dollars cost synergies. And therefore companies may not want to fight that with legal battles. If you're threatening a legal battle and just might be like, here's 20,000 go away. Um, so you always want to have that um, in your back pocket as something to do. And don't don't just settle. The other thing you always want to look at is non-competes. When you were hired, oh, yeah. um, a lot of times they might have non-competes. And I want to be explicit here. Non-competes, for the most part, are not enforceable. But if you don't have an employment lawyer and, and you go and work for a competitor after you got laid off or cut or just fired, um, uh, depending on the company that, 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 you know, let go of you or, or made that move on you, or you quit on, they can go and try to, um, file scare, a non-compete and scare you. Scare tactics. Yeah. Yes. But if you don't have the right lawyer, right. Uh, you might respond, uh, incorrectly. And when you respond incorrectly, this could cost you thousands to tens of thousands of dollars because, uh, by responding to uh, a employment non-compete scare incorrectly, could all that means is we have an argument and we can bring it to court because that's what court's there for. And what does that mean? Money. Uh, they might have in-house lawyers, but you are going to have to go out and find a lawyer to help you combat this. And if you just have the right employment lawyer that can basically give you the correct FU, uh, go fish, then you can figure this out from that point on. Well, I mean, if if you have a case, a good employment lawyer will take you on contingency, which you just pay them a percentage of the winnings, right, Carney? Yeah, that's typically what happens. And the first meeting is free. They'll hear you out. And if you got an issue, they'll take it on. If they'll take it on, you know, you got something. Yeah. But if you're defending, if you're defending your non-compete, they're not going to take a percentage of the action. They're going to charge yeah. you hourly and it gets yeah, pretty yeah. expensive. Yeah. Um, 
even if you know the the the, the biggest problem you can have with a non compete is if you're taking information from your current company if you're taking data and connections from your current company that are pure, that were provided by that current company and you're going to the new company and and selling that that's where you get the yeah but if you have a friend that you worked with and you sold them at your current company, you go to a new company and you have that friend and that friend existed not because of the current, the company that you worked for. That's not, that's not a, uh, um, a an issue, a legal issue, but you can get harassed. Um, we don't want people to get harassed. Yeah. You just don't want to. I mean, so just remember this. If you're getting acquired, you need to understand where you fit in the the wheel of the new environment. Uh, you need to control what you can control. Uh, one, you also, you know, I always tell people this all the time, and we talked about this before. Uh, make sure that all of your non, if you're non-sales, make sure that all of your reviews and all of your administrative work you're taking that serious and you're documenting everything that you can document everything with your uh, uh, your leader as much as possible have that documentation if you're in sales make sure you update everything in your uh, your uh, CRM Salesforce yeah yeah um, you know because you're gonna be in trouble if you don't have pipeline out there don't make up pipeline too because you'll get oh, pissed out right that'll be easy to sniff out. So if you think you're fooling somebody, you're not. These, especially these PE firms, they know what to look for in that. And they're not just grabbing some, a little amount of data. Uh, These guys are data machines and they are going to grab as much data and download as much data as possible. So if the last 20, uh, two weeks before or after the acquisition was announced, you create millions and millions of pipeline. Uh, you're in trouble because um, that's typically an indication that either you weren't, you can argue that you weren't just updating anything. Um, get in the habit of doing that. Now you're probably making a lot of stuff up. Um, yeah. And then remember this, if you're bought by a P firm and it's not another company buying you, it's a three year time frame before they're going to want to, um, you know, uh, uh, change their investment. That might mean they buy you a hundred percent. They might want to sell 50% of you, of your company in three years um, at a higher multiple. Typically if that's done, that's usually a good thing because that means you're in a very good situation and they don't want to uh, uh, lose out on future earnings uh, and future multiples that they think you're headed towards. But they have an investment strategy of three years and change their position. And so they want to cash out and play with house money from that point on. Anything else you want to add, Pete? I think that, that to me, no, I lost over this. No, it's, it sums it up. It, bottom line is for, for the people that I think will get the most out of this is keep, if you're good, they will sniff it out. If you're bad, they will s- sniff it out yep. and, and, and control what you can control if you want to control your destiny, have options. If something goes wrong, you already have leads at five other companies that you can work for. Because, Carney, isn't it true you're the most valuable at another company, right? Yeah. I mean. Unfortunately. Yeah. 
exactly. Remember this, you're the CEO of you, so do what's right for you. Uh, oh, amen, brother. So remember that always. Okay, I think that's going to wrap up our uh, delayed, our, uh, our labor-delayed podcast. Um, next What's week, our next podcast on? Yeah. Next week, we're going to have, um, and you've got a shout-out from them this week, uh, Chad and Cheese uh, um, from uh, the Chad. Chad, Ch- Chad Sowash, Joel Cheeseman. Yeah, they're going to be on. Uh, Pete, if you haven't listened to them, they're in the recruitment industry. We're going to talk about uh, the rise and fall of big job boards, really. I think uh, that's probably where we're going to end up. I know that's a little bit off topic of SAS. Well, but well, I mean, it's a, it's a hundred, it's a, it's a hundred years of uh, experience, experience going through this uh, transition. Yes. yes. And, and it'll be interesting. I've never spoken to them uh, before, but I have listened to them and read them. Uh, when they were cheat, when Joel Cheeseman was Cheesehead and was at jobbing, he was blogging. He was like the Perez Hilton, of, oh, uh, the Perez Hilton of the job board space back when it was the high flying industry. Expletive, expletive. <laughs> um, so we used to, uh, he used to be uh, someone that you would read on a weekly basis just to figure out what's going on in the industry. I still listen to them today. They're great. They're funny. Um, uh, they, 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 bring a, they, they bring a lot to the table and uh, definitely taking notes following those guys. So it'd be fun. Okay. With that, Pete, you want to cue the music? Bow wow, chicka wow wow, bow wow, chicka wow wow. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Oh.